The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Google have become increasingly important vehicles for political advertising, and all three are now at the center of concerns about Russian interference in last year's presidential election. Executives from all three companies are scheduled to testify in Congress about how Russia used their networks during the campaign. And in advance of that testimony, Senator John McCain has announced he will support legislation introduced by Democratic Senators Amy Klobuchar and Mark Warner to impose new disclosure requirements for online political ads. Here to talk with us about online political advertising and how the Russians used it and what this legislation would do are Bradley Smith, a professor at Capital University Law School who is the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission, and Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid PLC. Bradley Moss, uh, explain to us what we know so far about how Russian-affiliated uh, people had used the used the networks like Facebook, Google, and Twitter to try to influence the election last year? Sure, absolutely. So what we know, and this is largely just from the media reports, <clears throat> there hasn't been a whole lot of public hearings yet on it. That'll happen at the beginning of next month, is that Russian-based bots or trolls, however you want to identify them, used social media platforms like Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, even finding out, you know, even Tinder and Grindr and all these different different uh, platforms by which people in the modern age communicate had used them to spread various aspects of disinformation. Um, a lot of it came through what's called the IRA or the Internet Research Agency, which was this troll farm run by the Russian government, uh, Russia, Russian government and affiliated organizations to more or less flood the zone and just spread in such an immense amount of disinformation to particular demographics so as to confuse the populace and to the extent they could to try to either discourage people from voting or to try to place inaccurate information uh, with those voters in the context of their voting decisions. Professor, why have online political ads been exempt from the regulations that paid TV, radio, and print ads have been subjected to for years? Well, this is a misconception. They're not actually exempt from those requirements. Rather, there has always been in the Federal Election Campaign Act an exemption where disclaimers are impractical or the items are too small. For example, it applies to bumper stickers, pens, uh, buttons, all kinds of things like that. And for many uh, Internet ads, for many small you know, tweets and, and, and Facebook-type ads, it is simply not practical to put that disclaimer there. So that is the basis on which these ads did not carry a disclaimer. Let me ask you this. Facebook did not get an exemption from the disclaimer requirement in 2011 as Google did. So why hasn't Facebook been forced to comply or face some kind of penalties? Well, at the time, one of the questions has been whether or not this exemption for what's often called the small items exemption should apply to various Internet 
type advertising and, and digital platforms. And that has varied with the question of, you know, what is the cost? How practical is it to do? So what you had was a series of advisory opinion requests where companies were asking, you know, in specific situations, do we need a disclaimer on this, that, or the other? So there are different situations each time. In Google's case, the commission uh, voted that no disclaimer was necessary. In the Facebook case, the commission ended up splitting three to three, which means essentially they didn't give Facebook an opinion one way or the other. But as a practical matter, since you need uh, four commissioners to vote for an enforcement action, uh, and you have three commissioners say, no, you don't need a disclaimer, it was logical for Facebook to assume that they weren't going to have to uh, uh, go through that, uh, putting a disclaimer on all those ads or turning away ads where that was not, uh, in their estimation, practical. Brad Moss, what exactly, you know, if they apply these standards under this bill to online advertising on a place like Facebook, what exactly will this bill do? It'll more or less, to the extent that they're not already consistent with what you see on TV, it'll bring those ads in some fashion, some manner, uh, in line with what we've all typically seen, all the various type of radio and television ads we've seen over the years. You know, At the end, there's some type of disclaimer paid for by Hillary Clinton for president, Donald Trump for president, et cetera, et cetera. It's more or less trying to provide the public with at least a semblance of transparency an understanding of who pays for it. The question, of course, and this is what no one truly knows right now, is will it matter? You know, is that, there's the obvious part of if, if the disclosure requirements are imposed that the most egregious violations of using foreign money to pay for ads will, will come down a bit just because it'll be too obvious. But the more subtle and nuanced ways in which I'm sure countries such as Russia could use through shell corporations to try to pay for it, it's not clear that that'll ever be made really uh, obvious enough to allow for criminal enforcement. It's not clear to what extent the public would ever dive deep enough into it to see if they can, to find out who's paying for a particular ad they see on Facebook. We're talking with Professor Bradley Smith of Capital University Law School, who is the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission, and Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid about a new bill to require disclosure of who paid for online political ads in places like Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Apparently, uh, Russian, uh, Russian trolls put a lot of ads onto um, these sites over the course of the election last year, and Congress is now looking at the impact and what to do about it. Currently, disclosure is not required as it is for print, radio, and TV, but Congress's new if this bill were adopted by Congress and signed by the president, the similar disclosure would be required online. Professor Smith, we were talking a little bit before the break about whether or not this kind of disclosure can actually be effective. I mean, given the fact that people online are very good at hiding not just who they are and using fake names, but also even where their servers are located or which server is actually putting out messages uh, to various places. Can, can this kind of disclosure actually work online to combat the problem that Congress is looking at now? Well, I do think it's problematic in a number of ways. One of the first things, for example, is that their press conference introducing the legislation yesterday, Senators Warner and, and Kublukar mentioned, again, that you know voters needed to know who was paying for the ads they were seeing. But in fact, in many of these cases, voters still won't know who's paying for the ads they're seeing. They won't know unless they go to this registry that the platforms need to keep. And voters typically aren't going to do that. And by the time they do, they won't remember what ad they saw from where and what was paid and what wasn't. So you've got some problem there as to whether you can even accomplish that that basic objective of giving information that's useful to voters at a time when it's useful to them. Uh, but there are other issues here. I mean, the amounts engaged uh, were really quite small. 
Uh, Mark Penn, the former Clinton strategist, has estimated that the actual amount that was campaign-related was as little as $6,500 in the Wall Street Journal just uh, uh, this past week. But even if it was more than that, it's a small amount compared to the total, and it would be fairly easy, uh, although you'd lose some ability to target as much as you want, it would be pretty easy to just set up free accounts and just keep pumping out news through bots that are not doing paid advertising, but again are just setting up fake accounts. They can be taken down, but there's this kind of race going on and on. Again, we're talking about uh, the Russian government interfering in our campaigns. And when you're talking about that, I don't think they're going to be easily deterred by a requirement that ads have some kind of minimal disclaimer on them. And I do want to emphasize one other thing again, David, just uh, from the instance, again, it's not that that Internet is treated differently than other uh, uh, media. It's just that uh, the small exemptions uh, uh, or the small items exemption that is in the law seems to be something that pops up more in the case of Internet. But that small exemptions does apply to all kinds of media uh, as well. So it's not, again, like the Internet has this specifically different regime. It's that the, it has the same regime. Uh, Brad Moss, do you agree, even if there is a chance of being able to stop some foreign interference with these online ads, Shouldn't we go forward with this kinds of le- this kind of legislation? Yeah, I mean, and I have to largely agree with the professor. I don't really have any uh, disagreement with anything he said just there. I mean, the part of the problem here, even, I mean, the legislation I have no problem with. It'll be good from a general transparency and accountability standpoint. It certainly doesn't hurt anything as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the larger problem that I don't think this legislation can truly address any more so than past legislation that required disclosure for any number of different types of uh, organizations that place political ads in print or news media or on TV, is that it's a question of does the public care to dig into the details to find out who paid for it, and do they care even if it is paid for by some you know, possibly mischievous entity? You know, we used to always say people are entitled to their own opinions. These days, especially in the Internet era, it seems to be that people are entitled to their own facts. And that's part of what was certainly uh, exacerbated during the election with the Russian bots with disinformation. But it only works if, if the public was willing to incorporate it into their thought process. And I think that speaks to a larger societal problem we have that no legislation can truly address so much as it's a matter of how we, as you know, the American public, address this various, ty- various different types of information that exist in various mediums and social platforms. Well, Professor Smith, given uh, what you pointed out, that is the seriousness of the fact that the Russian government was attempting to um, influence an American election, is there something legislatively that could be done that would be uh, more effective than the bill that's currently pending? Well, I I don't know off the the top of my head. I mean, I'm of the uh, persuasion that generally, no, there's probably not much that can be done. And moreover, it's not apparent that this is a major problem. Again, you know, spending uh, a few thousand dollars uh, is not necessarily a lot. Remember, Russia runs a 24-hour news station in the United States to influence American elections. Uh, and, and we let them do that. And that's the important thing to remember is that whatever burdens we're putting here, and here this bill is talking about requiring grassroots groups that spend as little as $500 in the aggregate over a two-year period to start having various reports and, and filings and so on. Uh, and it's going to suppress some of that activity. 
And we need to say, you know, realize that while the target may be Russian interference, the main people that are going to be hit are going to be American citizens who will have to do more. And it's going to be, you know, these very low thresholds aimed at the most grassroots of political activity that are using the net to reach folks where they never could before in traditional broadcasting. You know, you couldn't do anything for $500. So I, I think that is just a real cautionary note that we need to keep in mind. Well, this is obviously an issue that we're going to be talking about for some time to come as we have midterm elections coming up and then another presidential election actually only a few years away. So uh, our thanks to Professor Bradley Smith of Capital University Law School and Bradley Moss of Mark Zaid for being here on Bloomberg Law to talk about legislation pending to uh, create online advertisement political disclosure. Uh, coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about Johnny Depp. The actor Johnny Depp has lost a fortune of money. Uh, many say he's been very profligate in the way he has spent his money, but he has had uh, claims that his financial managers have mismanaged it uh, to his detriment and took money that should have gone to him. He's now claiming that his lawyer did the same thing and colluded with his managers. He's brought a lawsuit for $30 million in fees, and we'll be talking about that coming up straight ahead on Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.